Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Yisroi Shishi. This is one of the most important Aliyahs in the Torah because it contains the Ten Commandments. It is a very important Aliyah. We start in Pasuk Perik Yud Test Pasuk Chof and it runs to Perik Chof Pasuk Yud Gimel, some total of 19 Pesukim. We hear about the preamble to Matan Torah. Hashem now descends upon Har Sinai. The, the whole entire mountain is covered in clouds and, and Moshe is told to go down one more time lest the people De, de, destroy themselves to go up to see Hashem and they die. And the and we, we hear that Moshe Rabbeinu tells Hashem, but that's fine because we already did circumscribe the mountain and we did protect it because you told us like Belas Arvekirashtai. So Hashem says, Go down and uh, you'll go up Aaron and you and the Kohanim and the people, <clears throat> lest, they, they, lest the people break through and try to come up. So Moshe goes down to the people and he tells them, the, he reminds them, and then Hashem speaks. He says the, these Aseris Adibras. There are the Ten Commandments are fascinating. There's so much to talk about. Just a brief reminder of what they are. The first one is which is understood by most to mean the belief in God. Then the flip side of that, which is actually as part of the same paragraph, is that there should not be any other gods and not uh, in my midst. And we were not allowed to make any images of what is seen in the heavens. Those are the first two commandments. The third commandment is Do not bear Hashem's name falsely. And the fourth one is To remember to keep the Shabbos. And the fifth one is To honor one's parents. Fifth, the sixth one is Loisirzach, not to murder. Seventh one is Loisinav, not to commit adultery. Loisignov, not to kidnap, is number eight. Loisane, Bereacho, Eid Shaker, not to bear false witness against one's friend, is the ninth. And finally, Loisachmod, base Reacho, not to envy the possessions or the relationships of one's friend. Those are the ten commandments which are in this Aliyah. Should be noted just as an important. Aside that there are two ways of reading the Aseris Adibros, what's called Tam Elyon and Tam Tachton. Tam Tachton is when the cantillation is read on the bottom of the words, which is technically both the bottom and top, but it's, it breaks up the Aseris Adibros into Psukim, whereas the Tam Elyon breaks them up into Adibros, where each Dibur is viewed as its own Posox. Some of the Psukim are much longer, some of the other ones, other Psukim which are longer, are broken up into smaller ones, like towards the end. We have different ways of reading it. We usually read it as Tam Elyon, even though we look at it in the Torah as Tam Tachton. It has some very interesting discrepancies among them. Now, let's think about a few basic points to ponder. Is what makes them special? What makes the Aserah unique? Why are these chosen? Why are they put together? Why are they grouped together? What is the argument we made in the Aserah Sadibros as well? Also, we'd like to try to understand why the ones, the Aserah Sadibros in Parsha's Vais Khanan are slightly different. So, <clears throat> a few basic points. Now, but why are they special? What makes them unique? So the Malbim actually suggests here in our parsha that all of these are logical mitzvahs. These are mitzvahs which everybody would understand universally. And Hashem needs to emphasize these because it is sometimes easy to lose these ideas. Sometimes people can become, um, can obfuscate, can become corrupt and create societies where even the basics are lost and it's necessary to have these basics set up at the beginning. The questions of this Malbim is that Shabbos and envy don't seem so logical. You could create a society perhaps without them. Also, surely you could include other logical mitzvahs, which should be the base rock for society. 
And also, why should there only be 10? So it's hard to understand based on just this principle alone, what is the basis of all of them. So another perspective is the Rav Sajagoin and the Ravan, the Mahari, all take this idea that the Aseris and Dibros are really all-inclusive. If you were to study the Aseris and Dibros very carefully, you would understand that they are tr- truly the axioms into which all the other commandments and details fall into. So if we were to study them correctly, they really are the greater container for all other commandments. Now, it may be hard to understand that, that Rav Sajagoin goes to a great amount of detail. He tells you how many commandments are included in e- each of them. So, you know, is there are 60, he says. Loisisa includes 48. So he goes through what mitzvahs are included in each of the, sub, uh, the categories over here. The question is, how do we know this? Like, it's not so easy to, to, to make that jump. So the Ksava Kabbalah, Riyakov C. Mecklenburg, suggests that, with the, that when the luchos were, were engraved, imprinted in each of them, were actually the, 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 were the mitzvahs, the actual, the first set of luchos, that were engraved in them with the prate pratim, he says. The, the little details that fit into all of these. So it really was the headings. These are the headings of many tens of other mitzvahs which are included in each one of them. And the luchos were broken, and it became, that became oral, and that's what Rav Sajagod is conveying to us as well. So that's what makes them special. It's interesting to, to note in the topic, or when we, while we're on the topic of what makes them special, it's worthwhile noting that the Aseris Adibros being special is actually a matter of great controversy in Halacha. So the, as an example, the Mishnah in Tomid, the beginning of the fifth parak, describes that they were part of the davening in the base of Migdash, and there was discussion in the Gemara, um, in the Gemara in Brachos, Davyud Beis, as to whether or not one should say them standing, because the Taromis Haminim, the Taromis Haminim, the complaints of the heretics would be, is that they say, well, maybe only the, this part of the Torah is important, and the rest really isn't so important. That, that, that is an interesting and fascinating debate, even today, as to standing for the Aseris Adibros, in shul, relating to this very debate, is there, is there a concern of taromis haminim or not today as well? Very interesting discussion in halacha. Not for now, just because of the, the time limit, the constraints. But let's try to understand the patterns. What are the patterns of Aseris Adibros? Let's. I'd like to suggest that the first pattern is 10 and 10, because the Dibros appear twice in the Torah. Once in Parshas Yisrael, once in Parshas Va'eschanan. That being the count, we have to understand why the discrepancy. Why are they mentioned twice, and why are they slightly different in each of their accounts? Ibn Ezra says the this ref, the, in Parshas Yisroi it re- reflects Hashem's word, and in Parshas Vayischanan, which is Mishnah Torah, when Moshe Rabbeinu is repeating the Torah, then it is Moshe's presentation of those words to Israel. So Ibn Ezra makes many arguments in his Pirusha Aruch to explain how many of the details that are different are owing to the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to make it more accessible and easier to understand for Israel. Therefore, he is interpreting to a certain degree so the extra changes or innuendos to help people be able to grasp the concepts in the Aseris Debris. A more classic approach as to the, the why we have 10 and 10 is the Nitziv. The Nitziv says, and many of them before Shem says, the first set of Luchais are represented in Parashas Yisrael, the second set of Luchos are represented in Parashas Va'es Chanan. And this goes on to explain a lot of interesting changes that are, exo- that are exemplified. So for instance, the phrase of keeping, in order that it should be good for you, does not appear in the first set of Luchos, it only appears in the second set of Luchos. The Gemara makes a comment on this, that Hashem would not write the word Tov in the first Dibros because they were to be destroyed. So the word Tov, the idea Tov, in fact the letter test does not appear in the first of our Dibros, of our Dibros. it does appear in the second set of our Dibros, and that is owing to the fact that it will be destroyed in the future, as an example. 
Other differences that occur famously is Zachar and Shomor are linked together. Then the, um, we have the one as Sarah Sidibros has a Zachar Yom HaShabbos and Shoy, the other is Shomor Yom HaShabbos. Zachar and Shomor are the positive and negative sides of Shabbos. They are said B'dibor Echod, which is part of the reason, halachically speaking, why we know that women are obligated in the positive mitzvahs of Shabbos, even though they are time-bound, because the negative and positive aspects of Shabbos are bound together in these two connected words. Another, ex- another example of discrepancies between the two, two sets is the reason for Shabbos. The reason for Shabbos is Zecher Lemaase Bereshus or Zecher Yetzias Mitzrayim. Remember, remembering creation or remembering Yetzias Mitzrayim. One is a, the act of creation, one is the act of providence. In history, how we see Hashem in science or in history, these two are reflected in each of the Aseris Adibros. So there are very significant differences between record number one and number two, whether it be Moshe Benu's explanation, as Ibn Ezra says, or Aseris Adibros one and Aseris Adibros two. Another pattern to consider when looking at Aseris Adibros is the pattern of two versus all. The Gomorrah in Marcos and Davchov Bez tells us that in the name of Ravuna, that when you look at the word, the Pasuk Torah, Tzivalon Moshe Morasha, the word Torah itself is the numerical value of 611. Why is Torah only 611? Because only 611 were told through Moshe. Torah tziva lanu Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu commanded us the Torah, which is 611, because the two we heard ourselves at Sinai, at Har Sinai. According to this, um, this um, Gomorrah, was said by Hashem to us, and we heard them, we couldn't take any more, and we handed over the rest to Moshe Rabbeinu. Why is the first two enough? Because the first is a positive, the second is a negative, which reflect the same idea. I am Hashem and don't have any other forces in the world. That sums up the entire Torah. The rest is details in terms of understanding. How do you believe in Hashem? How do you not believe in any other forces? Well, he has all the positive mitzvahs. He has all the negative mitzvahs, which reflect that idea as well. Another pattern to consider is five versus five. And this is a very famous idea. And that is that we understand that the first of the tablets, if you think about it, we could have just had one tablet with all uh, on it, why do we need to have two tablets? It seems to be that they are, they are perhaps different. The first five are different to the second five. Why, are, why is that? It seems to be, as we famously know, that the first tablet is about Ben Adam Lamakom between us and our creator, and the other one is Ben Adam Lachavero between us and our colleagues. It's a social, in the social realm. That generally holds true. Kibbut um, Ava'im is a fascinating bridge commandment when it comes to this. The Rosh Hashanah for Rafael Hirsch points out a remarkable insight, and that is, is that if you divide all of human expression into three categories, if you can divide it into human thought, human speech, and human action. If we consider the first of the five of our series, the Debros, you'll notice an interesting pattern. The first two, which is belief in God and not believing other, other gods, is our beliefs in the heart and head. These are, these are thoughts. Then, that we're not allowed to bear Hashem's name. Not to bear Hashem's name in vain, that is in speech. Then, Zachar, Yisrael, Shabbos, Lakad, Shoy, and Kibbal, Kibbal, Aim require action. So it moves from thought to speech to action. If you look at the second tablet, you'll see the opposite pattern. The first three about not murdering, not adulterating, and not kidnapping are in fact actions. The next one, not to bear false witness, is speech. And the last one, which is envy, is in the heart. Rav Hirsch points out a very, very powerful point. First of all, you see this is chiastic in structure. In other words, the pattern is A, B, A, M, A, B, C, C, B, A. Right? It goes from the thought to the speech to the action to the action to the speech to the thought. That's the butterfly pattern in Aserah Sedebrois. 
And Rav Hirsch makes an incredible insight. And that is, is that usually when it comes to belief in God, our relationship with God, a lot of times we say, I'm, it's good, I'm a Jew at heart. I believe, I really, God knows what I think. And Rav Hirsch says, it's not enough. It's not enough to believe in your heart. You need to actually talk about it. It needs to be affect the way you speak, what you don't say, the Lashonari you don't say, what it is that not just you speak, but what you do. It's not enough to be a Jew at heart. Therefore, the first of the Aseris and Dibros, the first tablet, tries to encourage us to move out of the realm of thought and speech into the realm of action. But if we consider the second tablet, when in the realm of social, Ben Adam Lechavero, it starts with action, moves to speech, and then moves finally to thought and emotion. This is important because there's another misnomer when it comes to the social realm. We say, what difference does it make what I say about somebody or what I post on social media? Does it really affect anybody? What I think, I, what I think, if I'm envious of somebody else, it's going to affect them. The Torah says it's not enough just to regulate your action. You need to regulate your thought and you need to regulate your speech as well. And therefore, each of us is forcing us out of our comfort zone of where we feel. In our religious, and our ritual life, it is forcing us out of the realm of thought into the realm of action. In the realm of social, um, social justice, it is forcing us out of the realm of simply action, even into the deepest of um, speech and thought. In the words of Rav Hirsch himself, spirit must be developed into letter, into act. All letter, all acts must have their source in the spirit. That is the inspiration that hovers over these fundamental ideas of God's Torah and fuses the two tablets, tablets, the religious and the social, into one inseparable whole. One beautiful, incredible pattern. It should be noted that our foreman has an, a beautiful series on the Aseris Adebros in greater depth, paralleling 1 and 6 and 2 and 7, and each of them how it's developing the idea of respect versus love, which is a very tremendously powerful idea. Not enough time in our short time together to be able to do this. Finding one last question, which is a very important question that the Torah seems to demand that we regulate our emotions. It tells us we're not allowed to envy our neighbor's property or our neighbor's relationships. Is that really realistic? Can we really be in control of our thoughts and feelings? The answer is yes, says the Ibn Ezra. The Ibn Ezra says, imagine you have a pauper who lives in the far reaches of the kingdom and he's sitting there picking potatoes in his backyard and down the dust road drives a white limousine and there in the back of the limousine is the princess of the, the crown princess, daughter of the king um, and as she lowers the window as she gets some air and he sees her for a moment. Does he, this pauper for any moment ever think, you know, if this, this, we're not talking about in Hollywood, but in real life, where a person looks at this, this pauper looks at her, does he even have the faintest feeling of wish or willful that to fall in love with her? And the answer is no. She's so beyond his reach. She's so out of his social class. There's not a chance that he even thinks of her in terms of perhaps maybe falling in love with her. And therefore, says the Ibn Ezra, that's because he has no expectation of a relationship ever being able, being possible between the two of them. He says, our emotions are as a function of our expectations. And therefore, if a person realizes and truly believes that their property and their success in life is totally and completely independent of, of our neighbor's success, Hashem has, uh, has decreed exactly what it is that we have and what we need to survive, what it is for us to thrive. And that is not going to be affected by how much I know or do inside trading or how much I try to outdo my neighbor or how much I try to be the first and the fastest. That doesn't matter because Hashem has already decreed it. If that's so concrete to us, then our expectations are such that we will not feel that feeling of envy. Therefore, says the Ibn Ezra, a sweeping idea of what's later to become known as cognitive behavioral therapy. If I'm able to change the cognitive 
a film with, before my eyes, thereby changing the expectations, my emotions will fall into place there afterwards. So yes, the Torah can mandate emotions by mandating that we take good control of our expectations based on the Torah understanding of law and reality. With this, we conclude the Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.